so good to be together in this place. Gracias a Dios por sus bendiciones para todo lo que ha sido para nosotros. How many of you just understood what I just said? Some of you did. Some of you are going, what is that mumbling up from the stage? I don't get it. What's going on? This time of worship when we gather together, as we come together as different people from different places, we come together to gather and sing our praises to God, to bring our offerings of thanksgiving and gratitude. We pray together. And we hear from the word of God And ironically, the place where we gather in worship to praise our God can sometimes be a time of tension and conflict for each of us. In fact, worship has been one of the places that churches have fought the most. I don't know if you knew about that. Where we gather together and then we hear words we don't understand. Music we don't like. People we've never met before. And we wonder what's going on. I'm here to be encouraged and challenged. I'm here to be built up in my faith. And we struggle with what's going on from the stage. A number of years ago, more years than I care to admit ago, I was a pastor in another congregation here in Winnipeg called Brayside. And at Brayside, our congregation was made up of, of two-thirds people from Winnipeg originally, and about a third of our congregation was Hispanic, whose first language was Spanish. And because of that, we blended our worship together, and so we would read scriptures in Spanish sometimes, and we would sing Spanish worship songs. And sometimes there'd be people standing there like this, I don't understand the words. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know if this is for me. There was tension. See, in a diverse community, we have people who are from different backgrounds, different cultures, different languages. We have people gathered here this morning whose first language is not English. And when we sing in English and we read in English and we speak in English, we can understand maybe part of it or we're trying to understand it, but it's not my heart language. But if I hear my heart language, oh, I am moved. I'm brought into the presence of God. What if the scripture readings are in a different language than the one that you're used to? What if this song is one you've never heard before? And all you want to do is sing that favorite song. Can I actually get into the worship? Can I engage in what's going on? I want something that speaks to me. And if we each come here this morning looking for something that speaks to me, we've missed Something of the beauty and the purpose of why we gather in this place. Last week, 
We came and we pinned different pieces onto the cross that represented each one of us. This mosaic, and we've, we've put them all together and straightened everything out. And then we have this beautiful mosaic cross that represents the diversity of who we are. Different people, different languages, different places, different personalities, different views on the world. People who celebrated on Tuesday and people who cried. Because... Things have changed. We come together in this place, but we have different preferences about our worship. We have those who love hymns and intentional, careful liturgies, familiar rituals, responsive readings, carefully written, considered prayers, and quiet meditation. This is worship. We have others who prefer loud and enthusiastic anthems. I'm in that one. With your hands lifted high and spontaneous expressions of the Holy Spirit, prayers from the heart and in the moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen. Some of you really struggled to get that out. When we gather in corporate worship together, we are joining together in a great banquet feast that has been prepared for each one of us. This is what Sandra Van Opstel, in her book, The Next Worship, calls a foretaste of the worship in God's kingdom as shown in Revelations chapter 4 and chapter 7. Close your eyes for a moment and hear these words from Revelation chapter 7. Listen to these words. This is the vision that is given to John, the vision of Christ. After this, I looked and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The practice of worship God's people coming together, she says in this book, is here to reflect, to point to, and practice that ultimate worship experience. We come together as a community to corporately worship so that we are not focused on our own personal worship. You see, God invites us to come to his table in unity that has always been and will continue to cause tension given the diverse nature of the people that are invited. And this is pronounced particularly in worship where we all each desire an authentic experience 
and ways to express ourselves. Over the summer, we were reading parables together. And this morning, I want to turn your attention to a parable from Luke chapter 14. It's called the parable of the great banquet. It's a story that Jesus tells when he's been invited to someone's house for a feast. And there's some jockeying for position. People want to sit closer to the head of the table or not. And he's just saying, you're missing the point of what's going on here. And he tells a story. This story in Luke 14 is mirrored by another story in Matthew 22, which is called the parable of the wedding banquet. It's very similar in some ways, and yet there are some different pieces, and it's told in a different context. Here in Luke 14, Jesus says this. He, says, he turns to the host and he says, When you put on a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table, and as one commentator says, recognizing that there was a lot of tension in the room and trying to get everybody kind of back to, you know, we're okay here. A man sitting at the table, Jesus said, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet and to eat bread in the kingdom of God. We can all agree on that, right? <laughs> and Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. And they all began making excuses one said, I just bought a field. I got to go see it. Another said, I just bought some oxen. and I want to try them out. Another said, I just got married. I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they said. And his master was furious. He said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house may be full. For none of the first ones I invited will even get a small taste of my banquet. In Matthew 22, the parallel parable of the wedding banquet it tells of the guests that came in and, the, and the, the, the king who has prepared this wedding banquet for his son sees that one of the guests has come, one of the guests has come without wedding clothes on. And he challenges him. He says, this is a wedding feast. Where are your wedding clothes? And tells him to get out. Maybe a little troubling when you think about it. Well, isn't this a last-minute invitation of some kind? Why would I have wedding clothes ready? At the harvest time in our culture, we celebrate the bounty of God's provision by feasting together. And in Christ, we give thanks for God's provision of salvation and that all are welcome 
at the table of the Lord's great banquet. At the wedding banquet mentioned in Matthew 22, when the king prepares this wedding feast, the imagery that is there is that Christ is the groom at the wedding and the church, the people of God, are the bride. Funny thing is, when you read the story again, you realize that in the story, we are also the servants who bring the invitation. And when you read it again, you realize that we are the guests who have been invited to the table. The banquet that we have been invited to, you and I, each one of us, is a wedding banquet, which we hear of in Revelation chapter 19. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen is the righteous acts of God's people. The the wedding clothes that the master, the king, is asking about is the righteousness that has been given to us to wear. In the Luke 14 story of the great banquet, there's this sharing of bountiful blessing, a celebration. Come and be a part of it. The invitations were sent to those who were known to the master. And in the story Jesus is referring to, and the Pharisees get it and they're not happy, is the people of Israel, the chosen people that have been in relationship with God. And when the time has come, the Messiah has come, the groom is ready, there's rejection, excuses, and a turning away because of mundane concerns of everyday life or a disdain for the one who has issued the invitation or inattention. You see, they had already accepted the invitation earlier, but now when it was time, they didn't show up. That's worse than me saying, hey, can you come over to my place and let's, let's have a good time together? You go, no, nah, I don't think I can make it. Oh, okay, well, no, these, no you said, I'm coming. I'm coming, I'm going to be there, and then I'm waiting, I've got everything ready, and then you don't show up. What kind of insult to the host is that? The master's banquet is still on. The preparations have been made. It's ready. Who is coming? Who is coming? We have a list here of whom is invited when the invited guests don't show up. The poor. Which I think we can think of as representing those among us who are struggling and don't have enough where every day is a battle. The crippled, those who are misshapen, whose lives are at the mercy of others and cannot care for ourselves. The blind, those of us who are just stumbling along, relying on the voices of others and their direction to give us instruction as to how we should go because our own sight doesn't work and we're lost in darkness and confusion. The lame, Those of us who walk in pain with difficulty, leaning on whatever crutches we can find so that we can get from here to there. And the master says, compel them to come in. Urge them. It's not force them, but it's convince them. 
persuade them, tell them of this great banquet that is available. And then he says, go out not only to the streets around us, but go out to the country roads. Look behind the hedges. Who are the ones behind the hedges? Those are the ones who have no place to call their own. No home. The ones on the country roads are the travelers, those who have, do not belong to this community and this place. And the master says, bring them all in. This banquet is for each of them too. Each of us has heard the invitation of God. Come to my banquet table and feast with me in this life of salvation. When we see need around us, that is an invitation for us. An invitation for us to be like the servants and welcome others in. When we hear a cry for help, that's an invitation. When our hearts are stirred, that's an invitation to the table. When your mind is troubled and you are burdened for others, that too is an invitation. You are all invited to the Lord's table. This beautiful banquet, this feast that God has prepared the feast of righteousness and new life in Jesus Christ. Wherever you're from, wherever you've been, regardless of the language or the culture you're from, regardless of the struggles you've had or the pain that you carry, you are invited to the table of the Lord. All that the king of glory asks is that you put on your wedding clothes. Be dressed in the righteousness that God has provided to us through Jesus Christ. Those robes that are shining white, the righteousness that is given to us through our relationship to the Messiah, the one who died and rose again so that we can have life. This morning we are going to feast together at the table of the king in this great banquet with hearts filled with thanksgiving and gratitude. We are going to lift our voices singing praises from the heart that we have, whatever language that is. We're going to bring all of who we are as an offering to God. So let us feast together. I'm going to invite those who are serving this morning to come forward. They are going to serve us at the tables here on the side. In a few moments, we'll invite you to come and share in this remembering of the banquet table of the king. Come down the outside aisles to the front and receive the bread, which is the body of Christ, and receive the cup, which is the new cup the blood of Christ, in which we find new life. As you come through, there's a gluten-free option for those who also need that. And there are little waste baskets here at the front, so come, eat, drink, and then you can put your cups here and head back to your seat down the center aisle. If you're not able to come to the front, don't worry. We will come to you and share the meal with you where you are. Just raise your hand and Dave, who's here at the front, will come 
and share the meal with you there. And next Sunday, next Sunday, we are all going to gather for a real feast together. This is a feast of remembering the kingdom table that is set for us. And next week, we are going to sit at the table of fellowship with one another and eat together after the service as we remember and give thanks to God together. That robe of righteousness has been given to us through Jesus Christ. And it is his body and his blood that allow us to be called the righteous children of God. And so we remember together that on the night that he was betrayed at the Passover meal, Jesus was together with his disciples and he took the bread and after he had blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is for you. In the same way, after the meal, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new, the, in this cup is the blood of the new covenant by which we enter into eternal life with God. Drink this whenever you are gathered together in remembrance of me. And Paul, as he teaches the church about this remembering, says whenever we eat this bread, whenever we drink this cup, we are proclaiming Christ's death. And by extension, we are inviting we are responding to the invitation that God has given to us and we are also inviting by proclaiming God's goodness. We are inviting our neighbors. We are in inviting our friends. We are inviting all who have not yet come to the banquet table and enjoyed this grace feast. Let us be a people of invitation as we proclaim God's goodness this Thanksgiving day. Would you bow your heads with me as we give thanks for the bread and for the cup? O oh, great and gracious, merciful God, we thank you that you are faithful to us even in our brokenness and that you have come to us in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might have eternal life. As we confess our sins and come before you, you are faithful to forgive us. Lord, we turn our hearts again to you and offer you all that we are. As we eat of the bread, Lord, we are so thankful for the broken body of Christ by whom we are healed, made whole, and restored. And we are so thankful for the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sins and brought into relationship with you, an eternal life in which we celebrate and praise you, and as we can join in all with all the saints around the world at that great wedding feast, singing our praises and proclaiming your goodness throughout eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you at this time to, to come row by row and to enjoy the table of our Lord. Music